words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So today we're sharing on the benevolent king. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 to 15. That then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of touching, teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. Ephesians 4, 14 to 15. God's love is designed to grow us. Everything God wants to do is designed to what? Grow us. Like, generally, God loves us. And many times when people talk about love, what they talk about is the affection of love. But love can be a lot of pressure. When somebody really loves you, it can be a lot of pressure because you don't want to sub-perform for the person who loves you. You understand? You don't want to be less than the standard that the person who loves you has laid down for you. Love makes a demand. It's called the labor of love. Say after me, the labor of love. If you did love someone, it's going to cost you something. You're going to do what is called the labor of love. And from the labor of love is the work that makes the person to know that you love them. And you're not doing it so that the person will know. Because if you did love, then you will do it. It will be instinctive for you to do it. You understand? But it's still labor. When God loves us, his love places a demand on us to grow. He loves us to come just as we are. You've heard that before, right? Come just as you are. Come in, into the presence of God just as you are. You don't have to be perfect to come. You don't have to be great to come. You don't have to even be born again to come. The first thing you need to do is what? Come to God just as you are. But once you come, he will now begin his work of love. I don't know any one of you who will see your child. You come back home from work. You see your child had gone to ease themselves or their pampas leaked. I know how children are like, couldn't be bothered, just rolled over the palm, over the poop. And you saw the child and said, oh my God, look at my wonderful baby. And you picked up the baby and kissed them and said, oh no, I'm not going to touch you. I know this is going to be no inconvenience for you. I'm not going to touch you. I'm just going to love you just the same. I'm going to love you with your mess. I'm going to love you with your mess. I'm going to just love you with this poop all around you. I'm just going to love you. And then the mother begins to embrace the baby. I embrace the baby and embrace the baby. One hour, the mother is still embracing the baby. What will everybody looking at the mother be thinking? What will you be thinking? 
Do you know many people think that that's how the love of God is like? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. God loves you so he labors over you so that you won't be messed up. So once you come, he begins the process of cleaning. And we talked about it last week. He will sit as a refiner of silver and a purifier of gold. He will wash off everything that is imperfect inside of you. And his sitting on you will be a demand. Many people will run from friendship with me because they know that if you hang around me, there will be love. Uh-huh. A lot of love. <laughs> Choking, demanding love. You're not going to live the same way you came. By the grace of God, I will love you so much, I will never allow you to live the way you came. There's a lot of teaching, a wind of teaching, which is cunning craftiness. One pastor look at another young pastor and say, should we tell them the truth? They laughed. I said, no, we can't tell them the truth. It's too late. So they tell you what is good for what they want to do. You know, like, it's more easy for me to tell you, like, oh, everything will be fine. Just keep on going. And once I tell you that kind of gospel, guess what will happen? You'll be so joyful, thinking that everything is okay. But is everything really okay? Or are you being lied to? Are you being lied to? Love makes a demand for accuracy. No more cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting. Because if I want you to do what I want you to do, then I will never tell you the truth because telling you the truth means that you will no more be around. Many men cannot endure this. Men are even worse. Men don't like to be told the truth. Men don't want to be confronted with facts. We feel like we know what to do, but we don't realize that we're drinking deceitful skimming. If it's well organized and well thought through, will be deceived. But God's love is designed to grow you. You'll be better today than you were yesterday. You'll go from where you were before to a new place. It will place a demand on you to be better. Because when God loved Israel, he made a nation out of slaves. Started teaching them government. Started teaching them when this person comes, when, as a nation, when you guys are moving, guess who will go first? Judah will go first. And he will go first to the sound of trumpets. So they're organizing them. Love demands order. Love demands strength. Love grows us. Exodus chapter 15, verse 3 to 4. The Lord is a warrior. Yahweh is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and army he has hauled into sea. The finest of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. God is a king, but he is also a warrior. Yahweh is his name. 
when he looked at the armies of Pharaoh, he drowned them into the sea. He hurled them into the sea and the finest of Pharaoh's officers, the finest, the best fighting men of Pharaoh's officers were drowned at sea. The best soldiers, the ones who knew how to race the horse into battle, the one who needs to charge with the cavalry, were drowned into the sea. Amen. What does that mean? God's compassion, next slide. God's compassion was on the Hebrews. The same compassion that was on them drowned Pharaoh's finest army. Can you see love and destruction side by side? The same God who was loving one people was punishing another people. That's why people say it's not God, God is not fair, but God is actually fair. He is a warrior king but he's also a benevolent redeemer. This is the duality of God. Behold the goodness of God and the severity of God. There's no goodness without severity. There's no goodness that abandons you just the way you are in your broken way. That's not goodness. That's not love. Love will challenge you. Love will have the hard conversations with you. That's love. God loved the Hebrews, but that means he will drown Pharaoh's finest armies. He's a warrior king, but a benevolent re redeemer. Let's go to Jeremiah. For I've heard Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 11, verse 10. Jeremiah 20, 10 to 11. For I've heard the whispering of many. Terror is on every side. Report him. Let us report him, they say. All my trusted friends watch for my fall. Perhaps he will be deceived so that he may prevail against him and take our vengeance upon him. But the Lord is with me like a fearsome warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. Since they have not succeeded, they will be utterly put to shame. And with an everlasting disgrace, they will, they will, that will never be forgotten. Jeremiah 20, 10 to 11. Jeremiah was talking about the people. So Jeremiah was among a company of prophets where all of them were all prophets, but Jeremiah was the only true prophet. Jeremiah would prophesy truth, the other ones would go and prophesy lies. He would prophesy truth, the other ones would go and what? Prophesy lies. And at the end of the prophecy, they, this particular Jeremiah wrote this when they arrested him and put him in stocks in prison. And his friends were conspiring against him. As a prophet, imagine that the people who are conspiring against you are not their own believers. It's your co-prophets. Jeremiah said, I didn't want to preach again. I didn't want to prophesy again. But then his word, this was the place where he said, then his word was like, fire shut up in my bones. I didn't want to do it again. Yeah? I didn't want to do it again. So he's... He, but God had me bound. Can I tell you guys something? God is a benevolent king. He's a benevolent king. Can I give another word for benevolent king? Benevolent dictator. God, this kingdom of God is for his son and for those who love his son and nobody else. 
Repeat after me. The kingdom of God is for his son. And those who love his son. What does that sound like? Fam family business. <laughs> God's business is not the stock exchange. It's not board of directors. God's business is for God, for his son and those who love his son. Jeremiah had access into that, into that trinity, into that holy place where God was saying something and everybody else who didn't like what God was about to do was prophesying differently. And the people arrested him. Do you know, do you know my own there? Eh? Sometimes, right, you see in his, you see, you see Elisha, God will show him fire. Elisha was a prophet of fire. You know, we're reading about Elisha yesterday night in our primitive, right? Elisha just, just made a whole army to go blind. Say, God, make them blind. They all went blind. He said, okay, let's go. Took them to Samaria, to their enemy's house. Say, okay, Lord, open their eyes. But for Jeremiah, he was in prison. And his prophecy was accurate. Do you know? So, do you see the anger of Jeremiah sometimes? Because he knows that other prophets could have gotten away. Do you know with every prophet, there's a different way God handles. God just wants him to go to prison and die in prison. John the Baptist was beheaded. We have many examples of people who were not saved in their hour of trial. So God is a fearsome warrior who gives us an assignment. Sometimes those assignments can kill us. But then he is also a God of love. I will talk about two leaders. Next slide. Steve Jobs. He wasn't a believer. He was a free thinker. Atheist, most likely. He grew up eating food in the, from the Baha'i Baha temple. Every, every evening, he, was, he didn't know. He grew up in foster home. When he grew up, just being taken care of bed, and then he grew up to become one of the world's most innovative. And that actually, his upbringing was what created the passion of him. Because you are, so many things are coming and going, all of a sudden you start looking for not a degree, direct degree, you start looking for things and bits. So he did art class, he did calligraphy class. He says that the founding of Apple had a lot to do with his calligraphy classes, which he did in art. So if you see Apple products, generally they are always very minimalist and very fine. Even though Nafa will not agree with me on, on MacBooks and, and, and PCs, but there's no comparison in performance at all no comparison if you buy a macbook you will never use a pc again you know well he will say otherwise <laughs> so but can i tell you guys something this creativity was all designed out of adversity this building of this man was made out of brokenness out of the many things he had to learn to survive, he learned how to be with people and be with companies and create innovation and drive people to agree. Out of 
scouring for survival. The man had a tenacity that has not yet been known. At some point in time, he so disagreed with his board, they had him kicked out of Apple. Did you guys know that? I'm sure many of you don't remember that, but he was kicked out. So next slide. There are some things he used as his basis for building the company. Number one, A-level talent only. Only first-class material. Only the highest level of people could work with him. He doesn't touch mediocres. Number two, he had incredible intensity. That's the energy around him. I, I have, have you ever been around some, some companies? The intensity in the company. It's like, ah, you guys calm down, pipe down. Is he do or die? Is he somebody dying? There's such intensity. It's so charged. that when you go out, it's as if they take a boarding off you. <laughs> yeah. He had no free moments. He walked back to back all the time. Now, these are not necessarily good things, but I'm just saying this is how he was. Then number three, he did his research, but then he moved by instinct. He was always full of facts and figures, but then he felt a hunch and jumped at every hunch he felt. This is how he built the company, but do you know the end result of everything he built? What was it for? profits and being better than everybody else. That was his chief objective. Profits. Forget the nice English they all speak at commencement speeches. Everything CEOs build is for profit. It's for them to be ahead. It's for them to be, it's for, it's for pride. It's for them to be the next whiskey. It's for them to be the next power. It's for them to be the next voice everybody will listen to. Most of what they build, they believe in no principles. It's just the end justifies the means for most of them. This is what this man built. Profits and getting ahead, even though we all know him as the pinnacle of excellence. We all know him died many years ago, but we still look at him and give him a salute. Like this is the extent of human achievement and ex extension of human mind. Then the next person is what I love to call the benevolent dictator. Lee Kuan Yew is the father of modern Singapore. He died a few years ago. Lee Kuan Yew is a born-again man of God, a believer in Jesus Christ. And in the core, he didn't say it because he was actually building his nation out of an Islamic country. So Malaysia had just, they just got their independence and Malaysia just kicked them out. And they were begging to be part of Malaysia. Malaysia said, no, we don't want you guys. And Lee Kuan Yew actually had moments of sorrow from the fact that they didn't want them to belong to the strongest ally and the country so close to them. It looked like a natural chemistry that if they just could align together, they would build one of the biggest countries in Asia. Yeah. But then, Lee Kuan Yew was not allowed and he was not welcome into the he was not welcome into the committee of the Malaysian nation. So he now started to what? Get the business of building a nation by himself. Next slide. So whenever you come across rejection, what do you do? 
Number one thing you do is what? I can't hear you. It's on the screen. Yes, cry, be emotional, be fearful, be afraid. It's fine. Don't pretend like Oprah Winfrey say, don't cry. Don't believe her. The apprentice says, you don't cry like her. What's that show we're watching the other day? Uh, Winnie Fred. What's that show again? The, yeah. They say, don't cry. Never cry. Don't be emotional. That's not true. You feel like crying, sister? Cry. Cry is good. Good for your eyes. <laughs> it's not an easy road. Ew. <laughs> cry. It's okay to cry. Don't believe that thing that you shouldn't cry. When you feel like crying, go and lie down somewhere. My, my, I used to play crying tricks on my children when they were growing up. I think it was that dear who used to like to cry. Just an emotional bark. Not some girls just weeping. Some days you just be in a weeping mood. Yeah, I'm sorry if you're watching. <laughs> but I have to tell this story so good. <laughs> She'll be such in a, in a weeping mood. Then I, you know, children feel like if they cry, their parents will be rattled. I was never rattled by crying. Can cry. It's fine. Cry. Cry. I just even play the music. I'll go and look for Andrea Bocelli. Hey, Spirito to Zadoshe. Wow. Fivere. Yibasu Nasuma. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I said, dear. She started learning about the clock. She started going to school. I said, okay, you see the shorthand? That's five minutes. If it moves from 11 to 12, that's five minutes. Do you understand? She said, yes. In between her cries. I said, okay. I think you want to cry? She said, yes. I said, why are you crying? She said, I don't know. I said, you just feel weepy, right? She said, yes. Just cry. How, how does it make you feel? She said, it makes you feel good. <laughs> so we're having conversation why she was crying. <laughs> so I said, okay, here's what you're going to do. I think it's okay for you to cry. Cry just expands your lungs. It makes you feel, you know, just cry out that, that feeling inside. Just cry it out. Cry it out. You know, so <laughs> she was hearing this conversation. In between her cries, she'll pause and be hearing <laughs> me teaching teach her about crying. And I said to her, okay, but don't cry for more than five minutes. You know why? For more than five minutes, you're going to get a headache. You like headache? She said, no. It's okay, so you just sit down here and cry. I put pillows around her. So cry, man. <laughs> After a while, I think she cried like one minute and just thought, hang on, this is supposed to frazzle my dad. This is supposed to make everybody run around for me. Nobody was bothering about her crying. She stopped crying and stood up. <laughs> then I started teaching them a song. If you got a problem, think, think, think. You know. <laughs> cry but make tough decisions the world is built on bold decisions the world is built on strong decisions there comes a time when you look a boyfriend in the eye and say to him I love you but bye bye there comes a time when you look a boss in the eye and say to him you raised me well, you built me up, but it's time for me to go forward. 
There comes a time when you look your parents in the face and say to them, you guys are my parents. I love you very much and I know you love me too, but it's time for me to advance. Cry, but make tough decisions. Say that to someone. There comes a time for you to pivot your life and change. There comes a line for you to alter the trajectory of your journey. And if only thing you know how to do is just to be weepy, you're going to miss out on something powerful that you can be. Inside every one of us is a duality. Do you understand? You have that emotional part of you and you have the strong part of you. Say inside of me is a duality. You can listen, you can have your ears on the ground, but you execute on the basis of convictions. That's how to build strong things. People can play with you, people can jive with you, but don't allow them jive with you on holy things. Have the barrier, have a metal barrier they don't cross. When they hit that metal barrier, they will definitely fall. Have a barrier have a barrier, have a spiritual barrier that men never cross. Be emotional cry, but make tough decisions. This is what a benevolent king looks like. Lee Kuan Yew. First of all, every person who was corrupt entered prison once he became a leader. First of all, he removed people at will and put people in places at will. He was a dictator, more or less. He suspended the constitution. When they came and met him and said, you're suspending parts of the constitution, he said, yes, I'm doing it. You don't have the unique history of our country in your papers. Do you know what Nigeria absolutely needs? Benevolent dictator. But you know, sometimes it doesn't work because where is the good man? The man who is incorruptible because the people on his side. Look at the one we thought was going to be a benevolent dictator. Is he? Do you guys understand the difficulty? But actually, that's the best thing. Somebody who wishes the country well. To build a nation means that you have to make hard decisions. And you know, the guy included everybody in his cabinet. Most of his cabinet was Christian leaders, pastors, business professionals, professors. But he also remembered to include Muslims on his panel. Because some, some Muslims... Even though they were the minority, majority of the Muslims went into Malaysia, but the minority, they stayed on one or two villages. He included them in his cabinet. He was very inclusive. But it wasn't the way everybody thought he would do it. Press, Western press came and said to him, this is not democratic, this is not democratic. He said, well, you guys don't have our problem. Will you give us money to develop our country? They said, yes. If you bend to I says, no, I won't bend to your will. He was jailing jailing anyone who was corrupt. They were saying no, it's because they are opposition. He said no, anyone who is corrupt will be in jail. Even these deputies, he jailed them. And then he decided to build a nation. Singapore is one of the finest cities in the world. It's so tidy. Everybody talks about the cleanliness of the city. It's so clean. And I heard that if you, if you drop a gum in the ground, that's the capital, that's a, you, can, you, have to, you have to be charged. Eating chewing gum and just remove it and put it on the floor. The floors, the street sides are paved of terrazzo. It's clean and crisp. A Christian man built a nation out of the ashes of defeat. 
a godly man built a nation in the 21st century by godly principles. He cried, but he stood up and picked himself up and began to run again. That's how God really expects leadership to be. Say amen. Cry over your problems. It's time for you to preach to someone. Maybe you, you don't, don't post alive on them. You can. But preach to someone. Say, my brother, tap them on the leg and say, my sister, my sister, I want to preach to you. You can cry over your problems. You can weep over your problems. You can be angry over your problems. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. Make tough decisions. I can hear you say, make tough decisions. Build, build, execute. Have your ears on the ground. Keep your facts and figures together, but execute on the basis of what you believe. Let your belief be your rudder on the inside. Don't just make money. Make something because you believe. Amen. Next slide, finally, as we round up this morning. It came to pass, Judges chapter 5, verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and behold, and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Verse 14. Joshua 5, 14. Ned, from 13. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and said, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servants? Correct. So, here is the story. Joshua was in the plains of Gilgal at the behest of the war of Jericho. They are about to start fighting war with Jericho. And everything was set. But the nation was afraid. Everybody was afraid. They didn't know what was going to come next. So Joshua began to pray. And as he was praying, he started walking around the plains of Gilgal. That night as he was praying, he saw an angel show up before him with a long drawn sword. And he said to this angel and said, Are you for us or against us? The angel looked at him and said, Joshua, it's not whether we in the heavenlies are for men or against men. It's whether men are for us or against us. I do not come to take sides. I come to take over. This war that you are about to fight is not your war. It is the war of the Lord of hosts. This is the war of the God who made the heavens and us and earth. And Joshua fell on his face. All of a sudden, Joshua recognized that moment that, you know, it wasn't about him. It was about God and what God wants to build. God is a mighty king and we do well to align our desires. We do well to align our plans. We do well to align our strategies to his plan, to his desire, to his agenda. Do you know the agenda that is valid today? The only agenda that is valid today is the agenda of the Lord God of hosts. Say amen. amen. But in his agenda, there is goodness for you. 
but don't never forget that he's a king he's a mighty king he has a plan he has a purpose he wants to bring about god wants to turn the earth around god wants all the men and the women of earth to follow after righteousness god wants to raise sons and daughters out of the broken men you see out of the injured men that fill our cities god wants to do something awesome god wants to build men god wants to raise the people god wants to raise the city say amen are you for us or against us? Are you for the Lord? Or are you against Him? God is a mighty King, but He's also with the lowly. He's also with those too broken, too overlooked by men. His greatness is on their inside. In the most confusing times, He's tearing men to purpose beyond their wildest imagination. Let's read this together. God is a mighty King but he is also with the lowly those too broken overlooked by man his greatness is on their inside in the most confusing times he is tearing them to purpose beyond their wildest imagination so God is a God who comes to work God is a God who will not leave you as you are God is a God who comes to build God is a God who comes to design God is a God who comes to craft God is the God who comes to finish what he started in you God is the God who comes to activate a process a process of work on the inside of you God is a God who will never leave you as you are he's come to work on your inside and to make you a stronger a better person don't believe lies Today, there's so many lies being peddled. Today, there's so many untruths being said. Today, many men hold on to things that are not really true. Half-truths are equal to a lie. And many people live in the region of these half-truths that God will never be real again. Let me tell you something. This is the time for the work of God. Maybe you like the goosebumps only. Maybe you like the feelings only. But the time when God is coming is the time when God is coming to sit on you and asking you, grow up. Grow up. It's time for me to build you up. It's time for me to stir you up. It's time for me to cause you to stand. It's time for you to be able to do the dishes by yourself. It's time for you to be able to make the bed by yourself. When you wake up in the morning, I want you to grow up. Don't be that spoiled child anymore. God is calling us to grow up. His love for us is making a difference and he wants you to carry the business of your life to a new place. God is speaking to someone this morning. He wants you to carry the business of your life to a new place. He's a benevolent king. He is loving and his love is waiting on you. His love is waiting on you. His love is hanging around you. His love is waiting to draw you into the place of repair. Maybe there's someone here who feels like I'm going through so much problems. Pastor Mo, you don't understand. But I want you to know that God sees you. He sees you. He may be a king. He may be a king, but he's with you. He's with you. So, I speak the power of God's transformation into your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Pray over yourself. Thank you, Jesus.
Say to him, God, I know you're a king. I know you're a warrior. This man saw your greatness. But I don't want to only see your greatness. I want to see your love. Redeeming love. Redeeming love. Redeeming love has been my team. Redeem in love. Redeem me by your love. Work on my inside. Take a quiet moment. Whisper your prayer to God this morning. Say, God, work on my inside. Build me up. Redeem my life. Thank you, Lord God. Jesus name this is tale of two kings one who built a business and all the world knew it's a profound business and even after death his business still speaks and one who built a nation for the kingdom of God and even after death both their businesses still speak one built for eternity one built for the earth what are you building for all your hard work to, who, to what end? Steve Jobs built for the earth. And now, Apple may still be the richest company in the world. But when you hear the reputation of the company, what they do in China, the labor laws, you can tell that the only thing that's important to them is profit. Another one built a nation, a nation that became a beacon to all who want to build a nation in the earth by God's power and by a lot of love and by benevolence even as a dictator you can make a change in the world what are you building and how are you building what you're building God bless you thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church our mission is to love people connect with family and touch the world learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org